Okay, so, uh, yeah. So let's talk about Journey. Let's talk about (laughs) Journey. Um, All right, so I played it last night. Um, The first thing I feel like uh, you should have told me I was playing with other people. Uh, I think it made my experience more frustrating that I didn't know that because uh, I thought the game had given up on me um, or like I, I didn't understand what was happening. Um, like I, I, I was leading other people astray, I think is why I got stuck in the snow because I had no idea what I was doing. I think I've stuck with someone else who had no idea what they were doing. Uh, and I was there for 20 minutes. No joke. Like with no freaking clue what to do because I thought this NPC was trying to tell me to jump up on this rock and I kept trying to do it and I could not do it. And I was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what the game is telling me to do. And I cannot do it. So Um, what I should have told you, uh, so for anybody who's listening, I'm going to spoil the entire game because it's only a two hour game and you can't really not spoil it and talk about it. So, um, all right. So the first, the one thing that I really should have told you, and I do, and I will tell you why, I do actually think it's better to not know. Um, I didn't know when I was, when I was playing it, that the the other people who come in and out are real people, but I'll get to that. Um, the one thing I should have told you was try not to think of it as a game, like try to ignore game conventions when you're playing it because they, and I'll, I'll get to it. I'll, uh, let me like actually I'll get to that in a second but um, but I should have told you that because hopefully it would have been like I, I could have just told you look you're gonna see things you're gonna assume things based on other game experience ignore that ignore your assumptions just wander around um, anyway so let me step back a little bit um, so journey made by that game company um, you had with a, a mutual friend of ours you had discussed very brief like he he had said something about you possibly missing the title of the game and you pointed out the well i get that it's about you know the whole it's about the journey not the you know not the destination saying i do not think that is actually an accurate way to look at the game um i do not think that journey is a game about the journey i think it is a game about journeys like all journeys period um and Therefore, many, many, many different stories. And I think that a lot of elements in that, uh, that, that deliver on that, ha- there's a lot of it that is basically comes down to <sighs> Journey being essentially like almost a, it, it's like a case study in how to say more by saying less. Um, it's a case study of basically giving yourself constraints in your art in order to widen the message, um, and in using the, and working around the weaknesses of your medium to take advantages of its strengths. So to start off with, it's, you know, it's a video game, which generally a lot of video games, when they want to tell you a story, they will, they'll use a lot of things. They will riff on a lot of what other mediums do, right? Um, for instance, just like movies riff on a lot of what we've taken from books. You know, there's some basic, you know, the, the act one, act two, act three structure. That's not original to movies, but movies use it a lot. Um, most of the time I, I would guess. Um, but there are things that movies added, you know, the, the use of, uh, I mean, obviously the use of visuals is a big, is a big deal. Um, and sometimes the use of 
of dialogue and narrative while giving you a, a visual cue to tell you something else. So you can tell that something isn't necessarily what is being said, which is much harder to be do uh, harder to do in text, you know? Um, that said, a lot of the time, and this is true of lots of hugely narrative, uh, narrative games that I love. I mean, there's a Heavy Rain is a, is a solid game on the, on the PS3 that focuses on narrative. Um, it's all about narrative. And it does try to use the video game, uh, the video game medium, the interactivity as uh, of it as a uh, as a way to enhance the storytelling and do interesting things. Um, the Mass Effect trilogy that I love so much, it it takes a lot of cues from movies in terms of uh, I mean a lot of people we still refer to them as cinematic experiences when you're playing these games because they're very cinematic in feel, um, the way that dialogue is delivered and bundled with music and and stuff, but. A lot of the time, that cinematic feel is almost, it feels a little bit, even in the games that I love, it feels a little stilted when the when you get the jarring moving in and out of gameplay and into story mode, essentially. You have things where all of a sudden you're doing, you know, you're, you're playing a game, and then all of a sudden you're not playing, and really good developers find ways to try and make that transition feel natural, or make all the storytelling take place while you're taking control, but, but even then it's a little bit awkward because when you're moving around like a gun sight as your view, you don't, you're not sitting there talking to somebody. You're not behaving the same way that a person really would when talking. And it, it makes things a little bit different. So journey journey is a game that sheds everything that can't, that can't be delivered without awkwardness. It takes away dialogue. It takes away, um, it, it, I mean, it, it takes away basically uh, clear. Here is where you're supposed to go, and here is what you here is what you need to do. And you trying to find a, a, a trying to find a destination, and being like really unrealistic sort of flags telling you sort you know like non-world lights telling you what's going on, right? Like a, a lot of games will use a, a HUD, a heads-up display, to just tell you where you need to go, what is, you know, what is around you, and so on. Journey is a game where the only things that are relevant are what you are seeing and hearing, and... But I'm not seeing and hearing anything. Well, so... That, so let, that's, that's my problem, Michael, is that I don't need... Well, I do, because I'm a stupid gamer. Um, I you know, flags telling me exactly where to go. But I need to know why I care. Why am I trying to get to that stupid okay, mountain? So let me, I have no clue. Okay, so th so this is the thing, right? You start start Journey, and the very opening of the game, like when you first boot it up, and you s hit the start button to start a new journey, as it says, It the first thing you see is, you know, you're... You go, and it's like a really zoomed out view. There's a whole lot of sand. You see the sun. You see a mountain... And then you see this sort of shooting star, sparkling white thing flying really quick. Right. So then I it, got the cyclical nature, whatever, but well, I, I just, still don't understand what it represents. It. Wait for it. Wait for it. I promise. Like we're gonna get to that because there's it means more than one thing. There's a lot that a lot that's going on here. So so that goes, and you never actually see it land. Like to start with, you just see that and you're like, okay, whatever. It's some neat thing in the game. Like this is your first impression when you're playing. And then the screen, the thing just pops up, and there's this guy in a red robe, guy, girl, person, thing, we don't know what. This, this avatar, character avatar, just sitting there in the sand, and you don't know, and all it's, like, the only thing that comes up on the screen is 
a little logo saying like tilt your controller left and right. So you do that, and you don't get control like the screen reacts once you get behind him. So it's giving you a sort of indicator, go straight. Like that's all it's telling you. At that point, you actually can't see the mountain. Like you see a big sand dune in front of you, but not the mountain behind it. Then you crest the sand dune, and then it shows you that mountain, right? Now, at this point, um, actually right before you go up to the dune, but even at the dune, like, it's giving you... So games always, no matter what, games have a limitation as to how far you can go. Like, there is some bound somewhere. I mean, that's just the nature of the medium. You can't have an endless... uh, I mean, you could essentially have an endless world, but you can't really do much that's useful with it. And so... In their world, like, there are invisible walls in Journey, and they do uh, this thing where when you walk up against an invisible wall, instead of it just not reacting, it just turns into wind pushing against you to stop you from going further. So it gives you, though, when you're just standing there, if you look around and decide to turn back, even though it's clear that you're supposed to go forward, and you don't know why, you have no idea why you're supposed to go forward, just like, well, okay, I'll go forward. But it uses this illusion, like I-L-L, this this illusion of like you can go in any direction as an essentially as an allusion to to the fact that like well i mean and of course we're taking the word journey into account here but on any journey you could probably go in any direction you want to but most of the time there's one direction that will make sense at the start like you're like, well, I guess I gotta go this way, and you just kind of go. A lot of journeys start without you really knowing what you're doing. A lot of, a lot of things you try and do start off without you knowing what what you're accomplishing. Then when you move forward just a little bit, you get to this area where there's a whole bunch of stone pillars. You have no idea what they're there for. They could be anything. Um, the the thing that I came in mind, which, and this is how my interpretation actually, what my interpretation is, is that they are gravestones. Oh, I got that too. Okay, so they are... But I don't necessarily think that's fixed. I don't think that's necessarily for sure. I think it's a really solid and, like... I don't think it's necessarily a... It's certainly not a wrong interpretation, you know? So, it really looks like, okay, well, I'm in the middle of nowhere. These things that look like gravestones look like a lot of people have been here before me and died. Um, okay. So then you move forward. And at this point, all you can do is walk. You can't do anything but walk and slide down the sand dune. So you start walking a little bit forward, and all of a sudden you start sliding down, and you just keep walking. You can't even, like, buttons don't do anything yet. Well, one button just makes a little chiming noise, and that doesn't seem like anything significant. So then you walk up, and you see a little landmark, and you're like, well, I guess I'll go up to that. And you go to it, and it tells you one of the very, very few things the game tells you explicitly, which is, like, press, and tells you a button to press. Um, and it tells you to press that, uh, I believe it's the X button, the jump button, is the first one that you get. And when you do it, you get a scarf. And you're like, um, okay, I got a scarf? I don't really know what's going on, but hey, look, I can jump now. <laughs> and then you jump, and then you try and jump again a second later, and you realize you can't. And you're like, well, what? And then you keep walking. And so at this point, you're totally off your guard. And the idea is essentially like, and there are many different journeys that I've seen, and I will go into the diff- many different journeys that this can, uh, specific ones and what the different stages, c- what it refers to. But, but at this point you're like, okay, I have this new thing. I kind of, sort of can do something more than I could before, but I don't really know how that's useful yet. 
And then you just kind of go to what looks like another flag in a distance where there's little floating scarf material. And you go up to that, and you see, if you look carefully, you see the light, like these little symbols on your scarf fill in, uh, fill in. And you're like, oh, I can jump again. And then you can't jump, and you notice that your scarf is empty. And so it's like little cues to just show you just that, that little mechanic, just teaching that little mechanic. You keep walking along, and then you come up to this, to this little area that looks like a ruined building. And you're like, well, okay. And if you stop in that building and do the little call sound, which you may not know to do at the time, um, and is actually really fun to do on subsequent playthroughs, you can actually reveal a mural that doesn't really tell you much. It just tells you that, like, it, it's a mural that just looks like, okay, there's one of the characters like me on this mural, and it doesn't look like anything useful at the time. Um, but those murals play a role later on in, uh, in understanding and kind of deciphering what the game means. But you then continue on to that, uh, continue on from there, and you get to this clearly, like, it, it's almost like a, uh, it's got multiple, multiple pieces of ruins around, like, a pit, and you don't know anything to do, and you start just sort of jumping around and exploring. And you see in one area there's a little symbol, and you hit the symbol, and if you look closely, your scarf gets a little bit longer. And then you discover, hey, I can hold jump a little bit longer. And pretty soon after, there's another one. And then up at the top of the central pillar, which in your first time through, it's the only area that you can actually jump enough to get to, is... Like, you're just, you're sitting there, and then it actually tells you to use the little call button, the sound button, which then triggers some crazy thing that you haven't seen yet, where these, these, like, this big cloth material thing comes up, and you hit the button, and all of a sudden you float, and you realize that when you call, when you hit the call button over these cloth materials, you get a huge aerial boot, like a huge jump, and you jump to the next platform. And this is, again, it's just playing off of the basic idea of, we're giving you a little bit. You're figuring out what you can do, but you have no idea why you're doing it. Still. But you're seeing that, well, it looks like there's only one place for me to go. Then you move forward, and then you actually... There's, like, a little station which you activate, and all of a sudden you're seeing some weird cutscene with what might be deities is doing something, what might be something else. You have no... Still, you don't really know... Things are slowly filling in. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed up, because I've been going really slowly on the intro. But in the next area, you go in, and you just see this, again, a big ruined area in the desert. And this, if you're playing online, is the first time where you get into contact with where someone else may show up in the game. Um, if you're playing offline, they won't. But if you're playing on online, they will. And you don't know this at the time. Like the Most people's assumptions is, oh, there's a computer-controlled character there. Let me explore with them. And, you know, and then it's really, it's an issue about deciding whether you should trust someone or not, right? Like, if you're not going with preconceived game notions in your mind, you have to decide, am I going to follow this person or am I not? And you could start to follow and then real, and then they might seem to not be taking you anywhere useful. It was like, well, I guess I'm just going to ignore him because he's not, doesn't really seem to be progressing anything and you go off and do your own thing. Or it might be, they might take you to, additional things that'll extend the uh, uh, extend the length of your scarf, and and you're like, oh, hey, this person knows what they're doing. I guess I'm just going to try and stick with them. Or they might seem to ignore you entirely. And you try and keep up with them, and you can't, and that's that. And that sort of 
the way that I interpret that is the sort whether in life or other journeys, like you're going to come into contact with people and it's always going to be up to you to decide whether you're going to try and follow along with them or ignore them entirely. And it's up to both you and them. Like that's, it's not a decision one person can make alone, right? It's a decision that so, two people make together. Just so you know where I was coming from when I played this, uh-huh. the first guy I met uh, did the entire first level for me and I just followed him. Cool. That's what happened the um, first time I played it, too. So I assumed this was my guide, which led to much frustration, angst, and I almost stopped playing the game later. All right. Well, like, we'll get to, tell me when he, just, when we get to that point, tell me when he left you, all right? Okay. So so then you get through this first area, you get another one of those weird cutscenes that moves you into the next, to the next section, um, and you just... You kind of, you keep going. You keep exploring. Um, there's a large desert area that you have to just kind of trek over dunes, and you sort of learn the sliding mechanic. And you can go, in the next area, you can just go a straight shot, just keep going towards the mountain that you can see on the horizon, or you can choose to explore. Which, again, is kind of a metaphor for all kinds of other journeys. You can either see, like, see a straight path ahead of you, and this is true, and and the big thing about this is it changes drastically whether you're on your own or if somebody else has dropped into your game. You can either see that, that mountain and just go that way. Um, and if someone else is with you, you can choose to just go towards the mountain, which it's clearly obvious you're supposed to go towards, or follow somebody else if they walk off the path. And then it's like the idea for that is it's essentially a metaphor for whether you want to explore life or explore other potential avenues before you commit yourself to what you think your goal is and who knows where that can take you. And sometimes it could really cost you time and make things harder and confuse you. And sometimes it can actually give you something which will be, which will be useful and help you more in the future or give you further understanding. So one thing you may not know is in this larger area, the, like the really long desert area, there are all kinds of, there's relics all over the place off to the sides and, like, ruins all over the place where you can get additional length for your scarf. There's additional areas where you can open up uh, little story panels to see what appears to be the story of a civilization unfolding. And those and th- those scenes are actually more pronounced in those cutscenes, which is harder to pick up on until uh, until you go further. But one thing you may notice is that in the area, whenever you see one of those panels that they will light up if you do the call sign next to them. You start to see things which actually do indicate those stones are probably graves. Like, you'll have figures that look like you, but horizontal under stones. Which seems like a pretty clear sign that they're graves, that they're people who have fallen before. And then each time you go through a new section and a cutscene starts, you see what looks like you watching other people filling out what you just did or what you're about to do. Um, for the first half of the game, it really seems like you're watching other people doing something during those cutscenes. <sighs> I'm not gonna st- I'm not gonna walk through every single scene, but eventually there's a scene where you go through this area which seems to almost fill up with with water of sorts. Like you you float up to the top of the tower, and that marks. That's ba- the first time the NPC abandoned me. Well, uh, when you were trying to like just float up to the higher and higher levels. 
And, and yeah. so th- that is maybe the first he, time. He outpaced me, and uh, I was trying to follow him, and I couldn't because I still didn't understand how to play the game, uh, like the buttons and stuff, because I suck at video games. And so he abandoned me, but I got through because he did all the things. Uh, but Right. I, that was the first time I was just like, oh, if I don't keep up, the game's just going to say screw you and keep going. Okay, so and so this is a big thing with this, um, is in that scene right after that, I believe it's the scene, the cutscene after that, where it's the first time you get a scene, a cutscene that shows you stuff you've already done. And it's the like the deity figure, like a big white-robed figure who looks like you, but is gigantic and white-robed. They look at you and they show you essentially a, like step by step the things that you have done. And then it keeps going and essentially shows you, but there's more left. Because that is, I, I think... See, that's yeah. not what I got from that at all. I got that it was telling me the story of how these people were once upon a time, this land was flush and full of life. And uh, then they built cities. They started out agricultural. Then they built these cities. And then at some point, aliens came and uh, destroyed them I don't know all. any aliens. There's definitely electricity, which I think is the turn where they were. Well, at the end, like a big, bad. like, guawuld, like, mountain came out of nowhere. Mm, no. The mountain was always like, at the end. No, but... <laughs> I, okay, I mean, okay. I know the mountain is always okay, at the so. end, but at the end of the cutscene situation, it, it just it reached a point where either like either it was trying to go off Fern Gully, we destroyed ourselves. That is exactly or where I'm pretty sure it's going. It something else came and destroyed right. us. I wasn't really sure what the line that broke represented. We lost magic. We lost innocence. We lost something. Well, uh, so this is the point, right? So this is exactly the point. Is you go through, and by the end, like, let's just go ahead and skip through. By the end, you've seen several of these scenes which have shown you the story of a civilization, not you. There's one cutscene which shows you following, essentially showing that you're following the same steps they did. Right? And so, like, that's that center cutscene essentially shows, while every other one shows you what's ahead of you and what other people did in the area. They're almost, like, explaining the events in the area that you just saw or are about to see. There's that one center scene which shows you, like, basically steps back and shows you walking through those areas and then shows what you're about to step forward through. Like, it it shows the rest of it instead of just one scene. It's that center... It shows you walking through the wind and and all that. It it shows all of that. And then it shows the people before, before you who were the previous civilization that clearly fell, and we don't know why. But as it fills out over time, you find that well, okay, sometime before they fell, this whole, like, you know, what looks like electricity or magic or whatever, something where they no longer were working with the simple things. Something happened where they tried to essentially take control of the world itself happened, and we don't know why that bit them back, but it did. Like, that. then then the fall came. But, so that whole thing goes through, and then, so, but that's not really... Like, the point is, you still don't know. You know what, the generalities of what happened, you don't know why it happened, you just know it did. And you're going through and you're picking up little cues here and there, you're seeing the leftovers, you're seeing, you know, even early on, you see essentially what is, you see, like, stone skeletons of creatures early on, and you're like, uh, okay. Like, some of them are look like stone dragons of sorts early on, and some things look like, um look like buildings. And so you've got things that are, you know, 
uh, essentially organisms of sorts, and the only the only things that look like living creatures other than the people coming in and out of your game are little floating pieces of cloth that look kind of like jellyfish or stingrays for a long time. Eventually, you get to the point where where by the let let's so you keep going through, you keep exploring, and then you finally get into conflict with something. Like you finally find something that can threaten you. You don't know exactly why it's there, but you get the impression that it's, you know, it is, clearly it's something you want to avoid. They give you little cues that if you're paying careful attention that they can hurt you, stay out of range, but you don't necessarily know that, and pretty much everybody gets hit tons of time, or like, maybe not tons of time, but a few times their first time through. Um... And these little these things attack you, but they don't kill you because you're still going through your journey. And this can be any number of things. It can be sort of the, well, once I've gotten to the point where I can, I have enough ability to navigate, you get, you know, that also means I can now get into trouble. <laughs> it's, and, uh, they steal your scarf. They do steal your scarf, yes. Um, and, but, but you can, even without your, your scarf, like, if you hadn't gotten hurt, you could do things better, but you can still get by. You're not, you're not crippled, you know? You're, you can still get forward, you still move forward, you can still jump, still navigate through the game, you can still explore, but in the areas where they're threatening you, you have to decide, well, do I actually want to explore, or do I want to just get through here really quick? Because, you know, hey, this is dangerous. Do I really want to deal with the consequences of exploring while this, this dragon-looking thing is attacking me and whatnot? So, you keep going... You go forward, you eventually get to the next areas, you get into the huge snow area, eventually. Uh, well, first you go through the crazy, like, fast, fun, diving through the sand thing, which is neat. Um, but, again, you know, this whole time, you have the choice to be following someone, or if you've already done things, you can ignore them. Um, and a lot of the time, like, I mean, I got left behind totally my first time playing through, and I was kind of upset at it, and I just kept going. Um, but you eventually find your way, and a big thing that this game does is they make sure to keep it short, because even if you do get frustrated, it's still a short experience, so you won't be frustrated for that long. <laughs> um, you eventually go, and by the end of the game, you've gone through all kinds of trouble. You've essentially, there, there's a point where you really think you you've died, and then there's a sort of exhilarating just rise to the top of the mountain by the end. Um, then the very end credits, they happen, and you see that star-like thing that you saw when you first started the game navigate all the way to the bottom of the mountain, and you actually see it passing other people on their journey if you watch the credits carefully, like through the points that you were at. So now we can talk about what the story is actually about, which is the fact that every journey is the same and every journey is different. Um, you can even, if you're not connected to the internet when you play, you can be doing a journey entirely on your own and you can choose to explore or go straight. But if you're playing and you're connected and it's your very first time, or it's your first major journey, or it's your infancy, you know, in real life, you kind of just decide whether you're going to take cues from other people or not. And some of them will ignore you or not be helpful and you'll be upset and not understand why and some of them will be extremely helpful and you'll be really thankful um if it's your second time through and you're looking for more things for th for more detail to try and fill in so maybe it's 
you're trying to do in real life. You're trying to do the second thing, second something you've done a second time, or you're just more experienced in life, and so you generally know how the world works. But you still want to learn more from other people, and so you're kind of hopeful that the people who come across your paths, your your path will will be helpful and look for what you are. And eventually, if you know where something is, you can try to lead other people too and call them over with a little call button and hope they follow you. And if they ignore you, you can choose to either let them deal with it, that's their problem, or try really hard to suggest over and over. Especially because in this game, like in real life and many other things, you don't actually have the power to make someone follow you. You can just suggest it. Um, so... For instance, today, like before recording, I really wanted to get another playthrough to make this game fresh in my mind. And this was my fifth time maybe playing through. And one thing you might not know, and you might, is so the different NPCs that their robes may have looked different from yours. Did you notice that? Nope, um, they all look the same, which is why I thought it was me shadowed. Well, so and they may not have actually looked the same and you might think they did, because it's kind of a subtle difference at first. Your robe was like a plain red from top to bottom thing. Once someone has played the game one time, they get a little bit of golden embroidery on the bottom of their of their robe. When they each subsequent playthrough, first through I think three or four complete playthroughs, you get a little bit more embroidery to the point where if you've played several times, there's actually a pretty elaborate design on the robe. And to me, that's more a metaphor of because you can't communicate with words. It basically, it's the same way where in real life, like, you can't really tell if someone else knows what they're doing when you're trying to decide whether to take their cues or not. But if somebody's really experienced, it'll, you know, there's a line where something crosses sometimes where somebody, if somebody's really experienced, you know to follow them, and if somebody's not, you don't really know or not. And someone can be more experienced than you without you knowing it in basically everything. And I feel like the way that they accomplished that by making the robes gradually gain additional embroidery, like if you, if someone comes in and they've got, so my, my thing, I've done everything in the game. So if you had bumped into me in the game, I have a bright white robe with a super long scarf and crazy embroideries everywhere. Like the people, basically a miniature version of those, whether they're deities or whatnot, like I look like them. So if you saw me after seeing a few other NPCs who are, you know, other characters who looked like whatever, you probably would have been like, ooh, that one looks different. Let me go see what that's about. And I know the ins and outs of the games, and I would have basically just, I probably would have just taken you directly from one place to another and tried to show you every little detail if you were willing to follow, you know? But that's still me versus some other people. The first time I played before I was a white-robed person, the first time I played with a white-robed person, he was not very helpful. And it was kind of frustrating because i was like hey i'm trying to explore help me out and he wouldn't really take that cue and help um the second time i did the guy made sure i saw every little thing and it was that game that turned me into a white robe person uh this time i was playing with someone who had played a couple of times but did not have a white robe and he ignored me a couple of times when i tried to suggest him on things and i felt really really bad about about it when he missed something that I knew he was missing because he didn't realize I was calling him over to something. 
But generally, we stuck together, and as time went on, we stuck closer and closer and closer together, where by the end of the game, it was... And so he actually came into contact with me in the very first area, so we played this game through entirely together. And you could see us getting more and more connected as time went on, where by the end, neither of us was... Like, I beat him to the top of the mountain, and I was unwilling to progress past him, and he accidentally overshot me, and instead of running beyond, like... You, he's like he stopped and waited until I caught up, and all we were doing was walking to the end. But neither of us wanted to get ahead of the other person because we're like, hey, we've been on this journey together. We want to finish together. And then, like, there was one time he doesn't know, but my hand fell off the stick, and I stopped, and he stopped and waited until I caught up to him, and we kept going. And that was you saw that more and more and more as the time went on because we had been on this one journey together the entire time, but. Every single journey is essentially, you know, no matter what you've done in life, every journey that you do is a journey that it, it's a repeat of some other journey to some extent or another. And whether it's something that you have done before or not, to, to some degree, it's something that someone can give you a clue into if they, if they want to and if you're willing to listen. Um, and that's basically what the game is about. It's about using ambiguity to tell the story of everything. <laughs> um, some people did talk about it. Uh, the way I've seen some people talk about it, which I think is spot on, is it's sort of like you can see it as sort of a, a birth to, to death scenario, where by the end, at the very end of the game, your scarf, like all the lengthy scarf that you've accumulated, if you manage to collect everything and not get hit, doesn't matter in the end because you're still dying as you walk up that, that cold mountain and you're dying either alone or together with someone else. If you latched onto them and they latched onto you. So that is essentially, that's, that's basically the way the game is. It's all about every possible journey being a variation on the same thing and how everyone can be different while still being the same. So, yes. Well, that's (laughs) nice and meta and all, but not enjoyable. I, I don't know. I do not enjoy gameplay. I enjoy stories. And so when I play a game, I am hoping for a payoff of a story. And when I don't get one, it makes me mad. Uh, well, and so this is where so, I would argue with you on the definition of story. Because to me, that's a huge story. It's just it's a story without a significant plot. It's a story that actually issues plot. It's a story without plot or details. Like, I can't really explore this world. I can't. It's not without details. It's without. I can't find out the history of this world and what happened to these people. I can't. I'm never going to know. It's it's unfulfilling. It's wander around in the desert and die in the end. And you're going to run into people. That's nice. They may or may not help you, but I didn't know that. But that's basically uh, what life is, too. I mean, that's what it comes down to it. Like, there's infinite detail we can never discover, and we can be unsatisfied and try to find that detail, and there is a lot of stuff you can fill in to find more in the game, but there's always gaps. There are always going to be gaps, and that, and that is the point of it, is just... There's always going to be gaps. You can explore more. You can try and connect with other people and help them explore more. But, but I can't end, explore more. You can explore more than you did. I can promise you that. 
It's only your first time through. There's lots of exploration left to do. I know. I I can explore more than I did, assuming I ever get the capability to actually play video games, which I do not possess. Um, I don't believe you need more capability than you have to do it. I I don't know. You were not sitting there with me, uh, me not able to do whatever stupid thing and being abandoned by person after person. Uh, If this is the story of life, it's an incredibly depressing life. It is an unenjoyable life. My real life is better, so I might as well stick to real life. I think it's a pretty satisfying one. The ending was very was very much a fulfilling sort of. You know, you've gone through all these struggles, and then it pays off. And in the got end, nothing. No, what you did I get the in the end? That's but I, there was no payoff. I got to the end. You get to join the stars. That was a payoff. It's like it's. I mean, you can. I mean, I if you want, you can tie it to religion. Did right? I? Like, was was I? Did I ascend? Yes. Did I die? Did I get to join the stars, or am I a fallen star? And now it's just a cycle that I'm going to repeat over and over and over endlessly with no fulfillment. So is this way, linked in the Legend of Zelda, uh, uh, Ocarina of Time, where I get to the stupid end and I'm made to repeat the entire thing? That's like the most unfulfilling ending ever. I don't want that ending. I'm pretty sure that in uh, in this, the so if you go and depending on which murals you see, um, there's one of the murals early on shows the, or no, one of the cutscenes shows the, like basically the sky and all of the stars are, each of the stars is a symbol. And, you know, a symbol like the one that comes off of you when you make your little ping sound and comes off of another person when they do that. So, and then, of course, you know, at the very beginning of the game, you see one of those stars falling, which, after you've played, you can basically assume is the beginning of a story, beginning of a person's story. And it's, this is kind of the journey back up to the top, right? Like, you've, this, whether you can consider that a soul or whatever you want, but it's essentially... The souls come from the heavens or come from the, you know, come, they are the stars, and then you're making your way back up to the top. So you, you live, you live a, a, an entire life, you struggle through things, you hopefully find people to do things with, you go your separate ways, or you man, manage to latch on to one person and spend your entire journey with that one person. Then you get to the end and, and you ascend. And there's not really an indication that it is your thing dropping back down so much as something is dropping back down to the bottom and that's somebody else's story going. It doesn't necessarily have to be you doing it because, and I think the thing that it, it intentionally opens up the, um, the ambiguity for whether it's you doing that, uh, secularly or whether it's just everyone experiencing the same exact story, but variations within it is the whole the fact that when in the credits you see your that star bundle thingy falling to the end you see other people going through the same exact steps you were just going through falling at the same time so it's not all just you doing it like it very much seems like it's like okay you did this now you're seeing the beginning of somebody else's story and then that's going to start um and one thing that drives this home is the symbol like at the very end of the game at the end of the credits it says um uh, I can't remember what the words were, but it's like, you know, the people who, the people you ran into, or the and and it shows the different symbols, the different call signs next to each of them. If you ran into several versus if you ran into one, and your call sign was different than them. If you start a new journey, even though your robe has that has uh, gotten enhanced, your symbol is different than it was last time. 
the indication being you're not necessarily the same person. You're just, you're, you're taking prior experiences, whether it's experiences from someone else, um, like you're learning from others' experiences, whether by choice or not. Like it, it's definitely something that works with ambiguity in order to try and leave it, leave, leave it up to multiple levels of interpretation. It's more, I think the one piece of the type of art that I think journey most resembles um, while say Mass Effect resembles movies more than others, and um, and like some games might actually resemble books more than others, depending on what kind of how they tell their story. Journey resembles a ballet more than anything else because it uses basically just purely just visuals and movement punctuated with music to tell a story that's up open to all kinds of interpretation. That doesn't have to be it. It's not a fixed... It doesn't have to be a fixed story. It's, uh... It could be all kinds of stories told within the same frame. Um, that's, that's essentially what it is. It, I mean, it is... It, it, it is an abstract piece of art by design in the attempts to tell a bigger story than you could by constraining it and telling of a specific world rather than of essentially all worlds. So... Now, I am not one of those people who's going to argue that you have to enjoy it. I am, I am never going to be someone who says that somebody is wrong to not enjoy something. But there is a lot there. I think I might have enjoyed it more if you had prepped me, maybe. Because uh, I, I, I don't know. It was not what I was expecting at all, and therefore I hated it. <laughs> um, well, there is always the chance that because it is a two-hour thing, it's much like wa- watching a movie there's always the chance to just play a second time and see if it feels completely different. Like I've done that with movies before where I just did not like the movie whatsoever. Talk to people about it. I was like, eh, I don't know if I buy that. And then I watched it a second time. I was like, okay, I get it. Like I buy it now kind of a thing. So there is that. Of course, I'm not going to like, I wish, I wish you did like it because I like it and it's always good. Like I always like it when other people who like the things that I like, but I'm not going to be upset with you if, you know, if you do eventually give it a second playthrough and that doesn't convince you either, you know, that's, uh, but it's, it is one of those things where sometimes it, I do think it's one of those pieces of work where talking about it might, might help a subsequent, uh, a subsequent read through. But I feel like the vast majority, like there's no way to know whether someone would be better off knowing ahead of time or not, but most people would be better off not knowing what's going on. Um, so, well, you know, my, in my opinion on stories, uh, whether, you know, and I do enjoy ballets and operas, which a lot of times I have no idea what's going on either, <laughs> uh, is that I have to be able to figure out what's going on. And if I can't, it's a bad story. It's failing at its job to make me understand. And I feel like I consume enough stories that I should be able to understand most stories, um, and maybe this is just a failure of my expectations because I was expecting for it to, I don't know, explain or fulfill or, you know, not abandon me in the middle of the game and leave me sitting there uh, completely alone. Uh, but I I got the end of that game and I was like, wow, I just wasted two and a half hours of my life. Well, okay, uh, so here's, I can't here's believe people like this. To lock in on onto this... Um... How do you, so you don't, 
I guess you don't. That means you don't deal with ambiguity in stories well, really. Like you no, want- I love. I do deal with ambiguity. Okay, I love art. I, 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 okay, a well, how do you feel about the ambiguity of- and complete cluelessness? Okay, I. <laughs> uh, Complete cluelessness is my parents coming out of Harry Potter and The Prisoner of Azkaban because it's a bad movie and turning to me and saying, how the heck is Sirius Black related to Harry Potter? I don't understand because they mentioned it barely once in the middle. It was extremely rushed and now you, it's just completely lost in the chaos and kerfuffle. That is a bad movie. That should not be amb- – like th- th- there's no room for ambiguity there and it is because it's bad. So, and then there's things like Rosencrantz and Gillespie are dead, where we can argue till the cows come home about what it means, but at least from one viewing, I can decipher a meaning. It may not be the right meaning, it may not be the deepest meaning, but I got a meaning. Uh, I don't need an English teacher to walk me through the whole thing and explain it to me. I, on a surface level, I can mean, get that it means something. And on the surface level of journey, I traveled. Mm, I, I, well, on the surface level of journey, you got to the top of a mountain and you saw that died and you looked through the, the, the mysterious death of a civilization before you, right? That I should have known more about because I'm from this planet. Who, who said that? Like, uh, well, you're not part of that civilization, though. It's long dead. I mean, there's civilizations. Is it? That... I wasn't. That's not necessarily clear. I wasn't sure. Is this a long dead civilization? Am I a lone survivor? And I'm an alien come to this planet explorer. I, I, I have don't know that no any idea. That matters in the slightest in any way. I think that like it's one thing to know, to wonder whether the civilization's gone long time or not, but I mean I, I don't know that there's multiple like taking it on a literal level. Clearly, those are ruins that have been there for a while. You know, like it's not like it's something that happened overnight, and yet you're there. So you're going through whether whether you're part of that civilization from elsewhere or what, where you came from. So I guess that's actually one other thing that games do, and this might actually be the thing because you're not a big a big gamer. There's basically no other medium that puts that makes you the like that makes you the character rather than experiencing someone else's story the way games do. And in this, it is you. Like you come in knowing nothing, and. All, and you are experiencing what you're experiencing, rather than learning things about the character who is experiencing the story, you know? And that's something that only games can do. Like, it's a type of story that only games can do. Up to date, I guess. Um, because there's no other way to make it so that the person experiencing the story is controlling the story, other than, you know, living real life. Um... And I, I mean, that's the thing that it does that other mediums can't do, and that's what Journey highlights, really, is this is you trying to figure out what's going around, on around you within the constraints of what you're able to see. Um, in real life, that's often constraint. We learn little things that can help us. Um, I mean, if you play a second time, you'll find a bunch of things early on that you overlooked because you understand a little bit more about the language of the world. But it is definitely, like, that avatar is a representation of you rather than of anything else. 
And that, I mean, that's see, and I think, I think this is just going to end up being representative of the fact that I'm not a gamer and I'm never going to be a gamer. I'm the type of person that when I'm playing a video game, I don't care about collecting all the little stupid skeletons. I I just want to get to the end so I can know what the story was. Uh, and which means I have that no you patience don't care that. about the kind of story that only a game can tell. Essentially. Like, you want a narrative, that which lots of games do really well, a narrative that games can do sort of a different twist on games, and they might be able to flesh out a story that could be done elsewhere. Well, and it's not necessarily... I, it's see, like, I, I, I don't know. The, the, my... I guess my wondering about Journey is, is it really a great game and a great story? Or is it like the movie Avatar, where everyone came out of that movie and they were like, man, Mandy, that movie was amazing. That movie was mind-blowing. You have to go see this movie. Mm -hmm. And then I go see that movie, and it is the most ham-fisted, cliched rip-off of Pocahontas I have ever seen in my life. And the reason why people liked it was because of the graphics. No, that is not what... Journey, I don't think, would be any less if it looked a lot worse than that. Like, the the fact that the graphics are great is more of a fact... That's a separate thing. That's a graphic... Yeah, a but it seems like all thing. the comments I read online, because I'm the type of person that when I get to the end and I don't like something, I'm like, surely I've missed something, so let me go scan the internet uh, and have someone clue me in. All the comments I read online were like, the music was amazing, the graphics were amazing, and this is a revolutionary war- way of gameplay playing with other people. I do think Those that are all second technical thing is true. Things. That, that last all- bit is true. The first two are true, but I don't think they actually have much to do with why the game is great. Um... I think that really is just an example of it is just highlighting what the really the, so I'm trying to think the same way that um, so you've seen Inception of course right yes so the very 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 end with the top spoiler yes yeah. spoiler yeah. the very very end with the top intentionally ambiguous. Right, I love that. Intentionally ambiguous. There is no right answer. Christopher Nolan doesn't have a right answer, the same way he doesn't about what happened in Memento. Like, he intentionally is ambiguous, so people will argue about it and debate it, and the point is, there isn't a right answer. Like, that is the point. Right, but I guess the difference right? for me is that I feel like there's not even enough in well, Journey on, to have that. Well, just hang on. I, I wasn't... So, so that is something that could not be done in a book. Right? Like, you can't indicate that wobble in a book. Does that make... You know what I mean? That little wobble, but still correcting itself? Like, you couldn't leave... You could try and, and do, you know, the ambiguity in a different way in a book, but not... I feel like I've that, read books that have accomplished similar things, but not that exact image. No, you're right. Right. Well, I'm saying this. Like, they did something using the movie medium to accomplish that feeling that you would have to do through entirely different means in a book. It, like, it, right. It, right. Journey... <sighs> The whole point is that because you are, like, the avatar is you, the entire thing can be left ambiguous because you're experiencing the world from beginning to end. Like, in- But the avatar is not me, Michael. Yes, I am not an alien. I do not have a scarf. I do not have any... Con- Why do the people on the hieroglyphs look like my avatar? I don't look like that. The avatar is not me. The avatar is... Is something from this world, whether it be a ascended being that's come out, whether it's someone who's lived in a tribe that, that is a is... long descendant of this, but it is not me. 
And that is a bad, and that is incorrect. Like you are the avatar is you, and you are. That the is world. not who I am. <laughs> and that is the. And that you're is trying to tell me that I somehow fit in the mythology of this world. Yes, because your playthrough this is, of it is never your story. story. Basically, I am not Bastion. Why not? Because, well, even if I was Bastion, Bastion fit into the never-ending story as Bastion. He didn't have to change what he looked like, or... I, I actually you know, think that that's kind of the point of, the, of the, the robe covering them entirely, is more to give it so it's not a direct appearance. It is just, it, it's essentially, an, like, it could be you in that robe, you know? That's the, the point. The, the point of it is essentially that you are, like... You're supposed to be, it's essentially your experience of trying to figure out what is going on and trying to get to the end without learning about other people's experiences. You can learn about how the world before you, like why the world around you is the way it is, because we're always curious about that. We're like, well, you know, why is this, like, this random thing that is sitting there and, you know, in front of me, these, uh, you know, think about before we industrialized and whatnot, we'd be like, well, why does this thing light up? Oh, there's this fire that, or this, you know, these two things together form fire. That's interesting. Like you've kind of feel, figure out the rules of the world around you. You figure out what the people or the civilizations before you may or may not have done to the degree that you can. And then you're going to fail a lot at that. There's, there's limited detail that you can get, but I, I mean, it is, that is very much the, the thing that it does that nothing that, other mediums can't do is that it is your story and it is intended to be your story rather than someone else's that you are learning about. Uh, I mean, that, that is, that is it. If you, and you know, if for whatever reason that method of storytelling just doesn't click with you, then that journey's not, you know, journey can't click, but that is what it's doing that you can't do elsewhere is that it is. See, but I, I still don't fully buy it. It is not my story because I, it's right, a game, means, right? There, well, there's there's you're, limited you're options. It's making me go forward. Uh, there's there's obviously forward. a goal. I mean, yeah, I could stop playing. And you uh, could go and to until the beginning, you could go back. And the point is, in real life, you can you can essentially do nothing in real life. Like you can accomplish nothing by deciding not to progress forward to where you think you should go. Right? Like that that is that is what it's telling you it's just a matter of whether you can accept the the conceit that this is supposed to be you and you are supposed to be experiencing whatever it is that you're like that whatever it is that's that's there um i mean that's basically it like it's just doing something that you can't do with other mediums and whether you can accept that or not is going to change whether you can accept the the story that it tells or not we're just going to agree to disagree Oh, I hate that that phrase. That is such a terrible phrase, basically ever. Oh, always rather. Yep. But I mean, this is a case where it's I don't think to you're ever going to convince me. Well, and I'm not trying to. And that's so. That's a whole different thing. That's a fallacy. If people, you don't disagree if you have different opinions. I do not think that's a statement. Like that is, you have different opinions. Agreeing and disagreeing is only on what something is, rather than on what, like how I, whether I accept something or not. You know, like whether I accept how something affects me. You know. So we agree that. You just don't buy it, and that I do. But it's not disagreeing. That is that, okay, I find it convincing that I'm part, that this is my story, and you don't find it convincing that it's your story. You know? Like, I, I don't really see that we're 
disagreeing. Like that is what it's attempting. And if you don't, if it doesn't convince you, then it doesn't convince you. And that's that. Right. But it's, it's clearly just trying to attempt it. That's the truth of any story, really. Like the story tries to get itself across. And if it fails, then it fails. So, um, and parts of stories are based on what maybe it's that I don't buy that journey as a story, but I'll give you that. It might be a poem, but a poem is not a story. Uh, well, and I, I guess it's not a story. It's all story. It's all stories. Is what I'm. Is the way that I'm seeing it. Right. Like it is. It's way too bare bones to be a single story. Which makes it not a story at all. It's. It's not a story. It's a. I could buy the a argument. statement about stories. I think I would still lean towards that it's a story, but I could buy that it is a discussion on all stories, like rather than a story in itself. I could buy that. I'm not sure that I do. I'd have to think more about that, but I could buy it. Like I get, I think that is a, even if it's not the interpretation that I would go with, I think it's a perfectly reasonable interpretation. Um, but yes, anyways, that is journey. (laughs) And we are, we are just talking ourselves in circles at this point. So, um, yes. Uh, I don't know that we have much else to do for this post-show. That was just a really long conversation about one thing, unless you have something that you want to bring up. Uh, I did read Spider-Man. Um, okay. The first three are in Marvel Unlimited. The second two are not. Okay. Is it five? Uh, for some reason I thought it was four, but okay. It's five. Yeah. So correction to the last post-show where I said none of it was on Marvel Unlimited. Three of them are. Two of them are not. Um, what did you think about Spider-Man, which I have read? I liked it. I liked it, too. Uh, I now want to know who Miles Morales is in the 616 universe, and they're going to leave that hanging and never tell us. Uh, because at the end, uh, Peter Parker Googles him, and he's like, oh, and it's like, end. <sighs> killing me, Peter. You're killing me. Um, I, yeah, it was, I thought it was nice that Aunt May got closure, right? She got to be like, I did it right, you know? I, I thought that was a really nice touch because that, that's her worry in this universe, right? That she did something wrong in raising Peter that led to his death when really he just got killed. Um, it, it wasn't anything she did. She raised him, raised him to be a good man and she got to see that by seeing the older 616 Peter Parker. Right. Um, so, so that was nice. Um, I thought all the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff was just funny. Uh I kind of wish there was more between Miles and Peter or that it was more emotional, but it wasn't. Uh, I really, really, my favorite part of that whole thing is when Peter is like, you know, he stops somebody and somebody's like, what what are you doing? That's Peter Parker's costume. And he's like, he's like, what? He's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's just because in this, in this world, since Peter Parker is dead in the ultimate universe, like they all everyone know knows that who he is. everyone knows who he who he was, and they know that he saved them all. <laughs> like even yes. isn't it even J uh, Jameson J Jonah Jameson? Like even he is like man that Peter Parker kid. Like yeah, which he, <laughs> he actually in the Ultimate Universe, uh, J Jameson started liking Spider Man before he knew it was Peter Parker right. uh, because of the events of uh, whatever Magneto flooding New York. Right. Um, <laughs> speaking of crossover events. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was nice. Other things was uh, Warm Bodies came out on DVD this week, which I do want to pick up, but I haven't yet. 
Uh, so I watched that last night after I played Journey because I needed something. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then I a really to- fun story retelling of Romeo and Juliet, like just a yes. fun, fun movie. It, it really is. Um, and, and then I read an entire book last night called uh, Eleanor. Park. Yes, uh, that it, it's uh, it's just a YA. Con- well, it's not a contemporary because it takes place in the '80s, but it's not. Uh, what I'm trying to say is it's it's not uh, speculative. Um, so it's just a, a love story, I guess. Uh, there were definitely several references I didn't get because it was 80s. Um, so, which there's a whole other topic in there about setting stories in the past unnecessarily. Uh, I'm not sure this one was unnecessarily, but I think there were things that the author was a child of the 80s and therefore assumed everyone knew. Uh, and then I was reading it and I was like, I have no idea what this means. Huh. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I don't think anything else, uh, Falling Skies starts tonight. That's, that's exciting for me. I know you don't watch that. I don't know anything about Falling Skies. Uh, Alien Invasion. It's, it's kind of like, uh, Walking Dead in that it is a, you know, worst case scenario apocalypse kind of situation, but this one is Alien Invasion. Uh, and unlike Walking Dead, uh, the people are realistic and cool uh and not just all jerks um (laughs) and it it centers on a family which is nice like this is a show you could watch with like your teenage children uh not like your little kids because this might be scary you know but uh the the main characters are like a dad and his three sons and they're like 10 16 and 20 or something like that uh and so it's got that nice family kind of bond. Like, they have problems. Of course they do. It's an apocalypse. Uh, but you know deep down they all still love each other and all that stuff, despite the aliens and the alien interference and the harnesses. But yeah, that's getting off topic. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, anything you did interesting this week, Michael? Uh, Media? Good question. So I twice I attempted to watch movies this weekend and got interrupted to the point where I couldn't actually watch them. Uh, uh, one of them, so there are two Hayao Miyazaki animated movies. He's, uh, I highly recommend all of his movies, including the many, many I haven't watched because I, <laughs> I, I own three. I've watched two of them. Um, he is essentially, he's the Disney of Japan. Um, if there's one, so I, I mean, I like anime and a lot of people kind of like, they disregard anime the same way that people disregard comic books or disregard cartoons or whatever which is it's just silly because it's a medium it's not a it it you know yes there are quirks to anime the same way there are quirks to american animation i mean you can think about the fact that running off a cliff in american animation generally takes until the character decide like recognizes that they run off a cliff before gravity takes effect like that's totally a quirk of american animation nobody else does that um in Japanese anime, there's all kinds of like ways that specific people re- or certain types of characters react to things that are not realistic at all, but they're just quirks of the style. Um, but not all of them do it. I mean, you know, there's more re- realistic American animation, and there's you know all kinds of Japanese anime that bucks the trends. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki is, as I said, he's considered the Disney of Japan, and his movies are extremely accessible, although they do have some quirks of Japanese culture, which different cultures find different things acceptable and unacceptable, right? So, like... Right. So, like, 
they don't think anything of like mild child like nudity in a movie because it's a baby being naked running around you know like you don't really care like that's okay kids do that and so they don't think anything of it and that's the kind of thing that americans are like oh my gosh that's so weird and you know but if you watch it you're like it's really not that weird you watch it but it it doesn't take on a lot of the quirks that people think of when they think of anime um they're really uh really accessible by anyone in fact most of them and all of the newer movies that they produce that his company produces end up being you know the- they disney publishes them theatrically here dubbed um into english and they do really really well um the two movies of his that i've actually watched uh actually i've watched three of them now that i think about it but the two of them that i've that i own that i've watched are uh, uh princess mononoke which i've watched in english and japanese and it's a so it's seems like from the get-go like it's gonna be the same like fern gully slash pocahontas slash dances with the wolves and now avatar storyline but it's not like it's a much bigger twist on it than any of those are and it's kind of its own fantastical world highly recommend that um the one that i was starting to watch friday night is um it's called uh, grave of the fireflies and it is quite likely the most depressing animated movie and one of the most depressing movies made um it is it takes place in japan like during and after world war ii and it deals with kids basically dealing with the aftermath um really depressing really powerful um i love that movie uh i'm trying to watch uh uh, the movie that I have and I just haven't been able to sit down and watch yet is um, what's the what's the movie uh, uh, My Neighbor Totoro and I don't know anything about it I think it's a more traditional like happy kids movie um, that is just about being happy and for kids and stuff I don't really know though uh, and the other movie of his that I have seen that I haven't actually that I don't own but need to pick up is Spirited Away which you may have heard of um, because it was it won Best Animated Film and like, you know, in the early 2000s, uh, really, really good movie, considered by lots of people to be one of the best anim- animated movies ever. Um, anyways, that's a thing. So I'm, I'm trying to collect his stuff because I know I'm going to like it all and just start watching it. But I need to watch the stuff that I have. Um, other than that... Yeah, I, I've been meaning to go watch those movies. I have, I have a couple of friends here in Albuquerque who swear by him. So it's on my list to do. I just haven't gotten around to it he he really is like of the ones that i've seen which is not nearly enough it's fantastic um and really yeah one of my friends really wants me to watch Hal's moving castle i really want to watch that yes um uh, kiki's delivery service is also supposed to be fantastic um yes and uh the one thing that he does way better than disney ever has is strong female characters that and not with the point of it being a strong female character. Like, it's a female protagonist, and they're just a person who's a protagonist. Like, being a girl isn't the point. They just happen to be a girl, um, you know? He does that really well. They're not damsels in distress. Sometimes they save other people, sometimes they don't. If they're a little girl, like, I, I haven't seen Kiki's Delivery Service, but from what I understand there is, like, there's a connection between her and a boy, and they're just friends. Like, that's it. There's no... He doesn't... He doesn't do the thing that a lot of people here assume you have to do, which is if you have a strong female, there has to be a romance. 
involved or something. Yeah. Like, no, that's not the point because it's really not necessary to tell a good story. And the only reason that people do it here is because people f- were under the impression, which might be true, were under the impression that audiences will demand it. But that doesn't really... What audiences demand doesn't really matter if your goal is to draw, to do a a story for its own sake, you know? Um, and it re- very much feels like that's his, like, you know, they figure out what the important parts of the story are and they make it happen. Um, and whether the character is female or male won't really matter in any way, like, it, it won't matter in any way that shouldn't matter, you know? Um, so, pretty neat stuff. Um, uh, other than that, today was a... Was it? I can't remember what I, Oh, 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 I know. Uh, I played a little bit more Kingdom Hearts. Um, not really anything more to say on that. Um, and I guess I read some comics? Maybe? <laughs> I didn't this week because, much to my dismay, um, and I know this was going to come out, like, you know, two weeks from now, so everybody's going to be like, that's old news, Mandy. Uh Hawkeye did not come out this week. Um, right. And neither did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, I knew Guardians of the Galaxy was coming out late because um, it should have come out two weeks ago. Um, Hawkeye, on Wednesday, if you Googled it, Marvel was still claiming it was coming out on Wednesday. Uh, so I actually tweeted Comixology and they let me know that it was Marvel's fault and not their fault. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> uh, but I was like, this is just frustrating. Bah. Yep. No, I mean, I understand I, it takes time to make these things. It does. Yeah. Um, I wish there was a better way of letting us know when things are going to be late. It's actually, it's a really interesting thing that, um, the way the Japanese and American comics markets work, um, so Japanese comics or manga, they, they actually are generally weekly, um, and they're full, like, 20-something page issues, but they're all, all black and white, so there's no coloring, period. Um, which adds a whole lot of work, you know? Uh, and, they're gener- and they'll periodically, of course, take breaks and stuff like that, so it's, you get a lot more story, or a lot, actually, you get a lot more pages, rather, um... In, uh, in the Japanese stuff, but it's generally not as pretty, which, hey. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to give up color because, I mean, looking at Hawkeye, the things they do with, you know, the color is, is really nice. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, uh, most of the issues... There, there's actually more what? than that, too, because um, in the U.S., the writers can be writing multiple concurrent comics. In Japan, that's right. genuinely untenable. Like, you generally, because you're doing an issue a week they basically have one, maybe two series period. And that's their life. Like, right. Whereas, you know, Kieran Gillen is writing, uh, you know, uh, young Avengers and, um, Iron Man right now. And, you know, Matt Fraction's probably writing like five things. And Mark Wade uh, is writing like five or six things. And yeah, yeah. like, so, so it's obviously a trade off, different advantages, different disadvantages. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, like I said, I understand, uh, you know, and I'm not upset about Guardians of the Galaxy because I knew it was coming. The thing that upsets me about Hawkeye is I feel like they just didn't. It, you know, the website wasn't updated. It's 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 a simple thing. Simple thing, Marvel. Just just let me know. <laughs> you know, I'm not even asking you to send me a message. I, I'm not even saying you have to go that far. I, 
I am willing to Google this, you know, and uh, take that step to find your website and find out when this issue is coming out. Just just make sure it's as accurate as it can be, you know? Yep. <sighs> Which, yeah. Uh, did any other comics come out this week um, that we read? I don't. Uh, something I, I read came out this week, but I can't remember what. Um, let me check my purchase list. Um, what what was the beginning of this week? Date-wise? Uh, it was the beginning of June. Okay, so all this the week first week June, in June. Right? Um, yes. Um, okay, so a bunch of new issues of stuff that I read but haven't read the new issues of came out. So I just haven't mm. had time. So Bedlam, which is... Oh! What? I know what we can talk about. What? Sorry. Uh... DC, so I read all DC comics that I read a month behind because it's cheaper. What do you um, read? But DC, I read Batgirl and uh, Aquaman. <laughs> and I, I do want to start Batwoman because uh, I've been told to read that. So not a lot. Um, I've but, heard of Batgirl. But is, DC, uh, what's name is still on that, right? Uh, Gail Simone. Yeah, yes, there was that, yes. there was there a was, thing where she was fired from it without hearing from it until everybody else did, and then they rehired her because of yeah. the outcry. Yeah. But the news is that now DC. So DC used to say if you bought it a month behind, it was going to be one ninety nine instead of two ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now DC is saying you have to wait two months for the discount. Um, so not a big deal to me because comics is the one median. I don't really care about spoilers because I'm so far behind that the amount of catching up I'm trying to do is like just me listening to everybody else talking about comics. (laughs) Um, but you know, some people have expressed distress about this. I I I, I understand. Um, I actually don't think I read any main line DC stuff. Like I love, I still prefer DC to Marvel immensely, but I'm actually reading a few mainline Marvel things that they've just done a good job of completely disconnecting from continuity, like as far as how it feels. And DC, I just keep picking up specials (laughs) because that's the stuff I like. So yeah, you know me, I'm not really conflicted because one, I don't mind the spoilers and two, Marvel charges us $3.99 for like the rest of their lives. So... I appreciate that Marvel discounts, I mean, that DC discounts at all, um, because Marvel doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, so, th- so that news was released this week, um, which is something I noticed because uh, I think something new came out this week and I went to buy it and I was like, well, that's still two ninety nine, so I guess I won't be buying it. Because uh, I, you know, I try to save money where I can. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, whereas with Marvel, I can read uh, Marvel Unlimited. DC, as far as I know, doesn't have anything like that. No, they don't. Um, so, okay, yeah, I can tell you the stuff that I am reading that I really need to go ahead and read the new issues. Uh, Lock and Key Omega issue five. I think that means I'm exactly one issue from the end of all of Lock and Key now. Um, oh no! Which is exciting because that is a good story. <laughs> um, uh, Invincible Universe, which, you know, I just haven't gotten to. The Hypernaturals, which I've told you about before, which is crazy, like, singularity, future thing. Uh, story's getting pretty crazy. Um, East of West, which I still don't know if I can recommend to people yet, but the first two issues have been fantastic, and it totally seems like it's an end-of-the-world apocalypse scenario. Like, it's like a Wild West sort of thing where death didn't want to go along with the other three last time around. 
and it seems like now he's ready to end the world, but they're still angry at him or something. I'm not really sure. Like, I, I, it's clearly, like, it's only three issues in. I've only read two. It's clearly still ambiguous. Um, Black Acre, which is another, like, most of these are Image Comics, um, uh, published by Image Comics. But uh, Black Acre is a really neat sort of, there's a place called Black Acre that is, like, seems like a really civilized future society or whatever, but there is some bad, evil internal organization. It's like a black ops sort of thing that this guy is trying to do something behind the backs of the people inside, and he tried to kill off one of the people he sent out for some reason we don't know. He wants to off somebody who is left. Clearly they're afraid of their civilization falling, but it also seems like it might be their civilization, like, their city's fault that other people are in the situation they are. It's Definitely one of those privileged society that seems cool, like great on the inside, and how it's actually bad for the world, and everybody else is better off without them, kind of a thing. Um, and then Bedlam, which is really dark. Um, I think I may have told you about this before. It's a fascinating, like, clearly starts off as a take on Batman, where the main character is, seems to be the Joker equivalent, but you're not sure if he's actually bad or not, or used to be bad or not, but he's insane like the Joker. And there is a Batman-esque character, and there is a Detective Montoya-esque character. Like, but it's like... Interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's from the perspective of the uh, the detective and the Joker-like character, and the Batman character just kind of comes in and out every once in a while, like when he's called to help. And there's actually this really funny scene, actually, where... Uh, the Joker person, like, the Montoya, Montoya character just, like, calls the Batman-type person up. I can't even remember his name, because I just think of him as Batman. <laughs> um, but she calls him up and just, like, just, like, lets him just start beating the guy within an inch of his life. And then he says something, and she's like, wait! Stops him. And he's like, yeah, might not actually be he, him after all. And then the Batman person, like, turns and like, wait. Are you serious? Like, come on. <laughs> and it's just, a, it is a really funny sort of scene, and the guy, it, but we're still not even sure. Like, you're not sure if this guy is really bad or not, and he's also a genius and seems to want to help them stop a crime spree, but you don't know if it's partially his fault or not. Like, it, it's pretty creative, really dark, lots of red and black in all over the place in it. Um, yes. I can't really summarize more than that, and I didn't really do a good job of summarizing. So, um. uh, I had a question for you, Michael. Yes. So I just listened to the Incomparable Comic Book Club where they talked about Top 10, and you had recommended I read Top 10. Is that something I should... So the people on the Incomparable were like, you have to buy this in paper form. Uh, so I wanted to know your opinion on that. Uh, I want it in paper form. Um, I the, so the, my problem is at one point I was trying to buy used hard hardcover copies, and mm-hmm. I found a library binding version. Bought it. Turns out it was only volume two of the two volumes. Oh, and I can't find volume one. Anywhere. Well, Amazon has a huge bound volume one, two, and the. The prequel, I guess, which just came out, I think, like this yeah. year. So this was yeah, last so year. I, so I will probably buy that. I like it a lot. 
I think you will like it a lot. I don't know if you would like it a lot to just like it enough to justify the hard copy. I really just don't know. Like, I, it's a lot. I think it's a lot more palatable for rereads for than um, Watchmen is in terms of like visuals and in imagery and stuff like that. Like, because Watchmen is kind of harsh to read, right? Um, and sure. this is not so much like. This is much more, much closer to what you're used to in terms of visuals of like superhero comics and stuff like that. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I would say. How much are they charging for the for the set? Uh, it's like eighty five right Ooh, now, that is a, a um, bit of money. which is which is pretty expensive. But uh, you know, I was like, maybe after I'm done collecting Why the Last Man, that'll be maybe it's my next thing. It. I don't know if it's eighty five bucks worth it. It is something I would want to have in hardcover. Um, yes. So if I see it used for less, maybe, uh, go for it. Yes. Um, and you will enjoy it. I, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. I don't know how much, but you will enjoy it to some degree or another. Um, it, it's very much a, like, the way Watchmen was a really dark kind of twist on the superhero stories, this is more of a serious, like, sort of tongue-in-cheek slash dark interpretation on on the stories. I mean, you right. probably have an idea of, of it. If yeah. For, from their descriptions of it, it kind of reminded me tonally from the descriptions of, uh, grim, which, uh, which I don't, I, really I don't think you watch, yeah. but, it, but it's a cop show. That's a paranormal cop show, uh, that is serious and a little bit dark, but also has its light moments. Yeah. That, that is basically it. So, uh, I, I would definitely recommend it for, I mean, I did recommend it for you before. Um, I, right. I want it in hard copy. So, Yes, I okay. I will take yeah. that into consideration, and uh, maybe I'll peruse the the webs for a used copy or um, something. But it is a pretty like I do believe that was published this year, which means it might be difficult to find used right now. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of which, volume two of Y is apparently impossible to get now, which <laughs> makes me mad. So I'm gonna have to order volume two in the trades. Uh, instead of the hardback until they reprint because you can't not read it <laughs> yeah i clearly i mean that's just not an option yeah um which is interesting because even the used copies now that it's gone are all like a hundred dollars and i'm like i'm not paying a hundred dollars for a 25 dollar um, book on, actually on amazon right now and it's a good thing this will go up later um i am seeing in their amazon marketplace it looks like someone is selling a new copy at 30 bucks Really? Right now? Right now. Why? Let me, let me let me do this. The Last Man, Volume Two. Deluxe hard. Deluxe. Time, yeah. Last last I checked. Uh, you should buy it right. You're now. right. I should buy it right now because that is probably uh, exactly one copy. See all buying options. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone listening, Andy just bought cart. a comic, and it's a good thing we're not streaming live because I didn't tell all of you that that was available. <laughs> Proceed to check out. I will pay thirty dollars for it. Well, thirty four bucks. Pay, it's, uh, four dollars yeah, shipping. So perfectly reasonable. That, that's I think. that's reasonable. <laughs> uh, good thing Amazon has all my information already in it. Makes it so much faster. Yes. Man, and it says it's new. Yeah. So it must be some store. Yeah. 
All right, shipping address looks right. Credit card looks right. Place order thirty three ninety nine. That just happened. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. You're welcome, Mandy. I'm glad I. Could I still help. have to order your uh, volume one and four. Uh, me. You can. I was just yeah. looking it up the other day, and I was like, "Volume two? What happened to volume two? Uh, and then I Googled it and apparently, you know, they do a couple printings every year or whatever. And this one's just all out. Like or I every said, couple you can surprise me with something else if you want to. I, I'm just I, I don't know your collection well enough to surprise I you. I can take a picture of my collection if you want. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just get you what I know you want. Okay. Sounds it's good. simple and easy. I, you know, um, Yes, so soon I should be reading. I will be reading all of Why the Last Man, and I can tell you about it. Is it or two what the only I one you don't have? Uh, so three, four, and five are on their way oh, already. Okay. Uh, but you know they're taking. Uh, I three I had to get used uh, because Amazon had that weird one to three months delay associated with it, which I I don't understand. Um, but I, I don't mind getting comics used. Um, as okay. long as they're gently used. Gently used. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, anything else we need to talk about? Or should we end the show before it gets way too long? Um, too late. Before it gets way too longer. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think we should stop recording now. Yeah. We'll do All right. That. I'm going to hit stop record. Me too.